0: The Loose Cannons Podcast is a free-form discussion about film that contains mature language, such as poop and titty, and descriptions of mature situations, such as filing taxes and raising children. We do not have any concern for spoilers, so if you haven't seen the film or films we are discussing and don't want to have the twists ruined for you, please watch the film before listening to the podcast.
1: I missed you, baby sweet. What a day. Hmm. It was a day. Hey everyone! It's another episode of Loose Cannons coming at ya. Boom. No Russian greeting for you today because we're not doing a communism film unless you really want to stretch the definition of communism. Doing our final new release of 2017, Basil's Pick, which is uh, Blade Runner 2049, directed by Denis Villeneuve. But uh, Before we do that, let's do this. A little segment we like to call Heralds and Denouncements. Patrick, what do you got for us?
0: Um, I don't have anything to herald or denounce.
2: Oh, no? No trumpet sounds? No.
0: No.
1: Oh, but bo- it <laughs>
2: yeah uh, yeah I was gonna say uh well that this is this movie is like an anti-communist movie like <laughs> like capitalism to the max super capitalism <laughs> uh I'll go ahead and denounce uh Blade Runner blackout 2022 <laughs> uh, which I watched the day after I watched this. It's a short animated film that's kind of like a, a setup that shows ex- like how the blackout that's discussed in this movie comes about. Uh, it was directed by the guy who did um, Cowboy Bebop, and um, yeah, uh, some of the animation is nice. You know, uh, it looks like anime Blade Runner, but um, the dialogue's real corny and. Uh, it feels like it could have set up something that's like you know almost a full movie within itself because there's a lot of like political goings on in this so condensing it down to like a 15 minute short uh really doesn't do it any favors at all and then uh yeah so like then it tries to do the thing that I almost always dislike in short films where it creates like a whole arc for a character and then that character dies and we're supposed to feel really sad. But I was like, I don't feel attached to this person yet. Like I've only seen them talk for like two and a half minutes of screen time. I'm not that, not that interested. So, uh, yeah, not into that 2022. Sorry, Cowboy Bebop guy.
1: I can make this an all Blade Runner podcast by heralding the original Blade Runner. Nice. Um but instead uh I'm gonna herald Adam Wingard's your next Your nice. Your Next. Um which I watched this week and I like a lot and I think I like it even more than the guest in part for um I remember when we talked about the guest that uh The turn was more unexpected, I guess, to the other members of this podcast than it was for me. Like, the fact that you are sort of like like the guest up until he starts murdering the family members. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you don't so much. Um, Whereas I never was like on board with him. And like, I guess the kind of turn in this that um, one of the people in the house just turns out to be like a badass survivalist or Mm -hmm. something like that came out of like way more out of nowhere for me. And like, I think it's in some ways a more interesting turn to be the point like, let's put someone who's like so smart and so savvy in a horror movie that at a certain point you're like, should I still be rooting for this person? Because like, she has such a leg up on the killers at a certain point, you're like, they're really the ones who uh, are in danger (laughs) in this situation. Um, In fact, there's this one really, really great shot, in my opinion, where you see her like hop through like a window or whatever, and then one of the killers like is walking up to the window also like, and he's about to peek his head in and I'm like, whoa, this is an exact inverse of the situation that we normally see in this type of like house invasion movie, where normally we see it from the, you know, victim's perspective. And we wonder where the killer is. And in this case, we see it from the killer's perspective. And we wonder where the victim is. And then she straight up kills that dude, (laughs) like surprises him and kills him. And I was like, this movie is pretty intense. Um, So I liked it. Yeah, I'm excited to rewatch it. I I especially liked uh, the big long speech (laughs) from the boyfriend right at the end where... (laughs) He tries to use student loans as a uh, possible, like reasoning for sociopathy.
2: He needs <laughs> that That's money.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
2: Gotta pay off those debts. Anyways,
1: it's the highlight of my October watching so far, although I've watched a couple of movies that <coughs> I liked a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Nice. Basil. Uh, Your, your Uh, pick. Yeah.
2: So uh, the Blade Runner twenty forty nine takes place thirty years after the original Blade Runner. Uh Even though it's made thirty five years after, but I guess (laughs) Blade Runner twenty fifty four doesn't have the uh, same cool (laughs) ring to it. Uh, But um, so it follows uh, K. Who is a uh, Blade Runner? Who is, uh, as opposed to the ambiguity of the original, definitely a replicant. And uh, Blade Runner's jobs now are to like hunt down the last of the previous generations of uh, Blade Runners. Like Tyrell Corporation went out of business at a certain replicants. Replicants. That's what I said.
1: Yeah. Right? No, you said Blade Runners. Oh, yeah. You said Blade Runner's job is to hunt down other Blade Runners, yeah, yeah. but it's the previous generation of Replicants. Yeah, sorry.
2: Uh, <coughs> so, um, yeah, so he, the Tyrell Corporation went out of business. They, um, uh, after uh, the Blackout, that I, the aforementioned Blackout, was blamed on Replicants, and um, so he... Uh, hunts them down and one that he hunts down in the beginning uh, it turns out uh, knew Rachel from the original and uh, she died but uh, find out that she died in childbirth so a a replicant gave birth to a baby and um, uh, Jared Leto plays Wallace, who has taken over Tyrell's uh, replicant manufacturing and uh, is dissatisfied with the slow pace of creating replicants. So he's trying to create replicants that can give birth in order to make them, you know, self-replicating replicants and uh, (laughs) amass a much faster and bigger uh, basically slave population supply. So um, yeah, uh, there's lots of, uh, things that happen after that, but that's the basic setup. Don't really need more. Uh, Ruben, what do you think of this movie?
1: If we had done this podcast, like shortly after I watched it, I probably would have given it three stars, but the longer I've had to think about it, I've decided I'm a little more indifferent on it than I thought because there are some scenes and some cinematography that I really like I was initially somewhat positive coming out of the theater but the more chance I've given to think about it the more I feel like the film doesn't have a lot to say and uh, that's especially damning when it's almost three hours long
2: sweet sweet two hour forty-five (laughs) I was glad I saw it in one of the theaters in town that plays uh, sometimes plays mainstream releases but doesn't have very many trailers because there's maybe only 10 minutes of trailers as opposed to the 20 plus I'm sure I would have had to sit through if I saw it at one of the bigger multiplexes Uh, Patrick what do you think?
0: Um, I really like this movie Uh, it was incredibly sad and it made me feel sad, <laughs> and that was pretty much what I liked about it, is that it was it's an action movie that makes me very sad, which I don't think a lot of action movies manage to do, and not in the way that, like, sad that I watched it, but sad, just, like, existentially sad, and I felt like it was deliberately existentially sad. Cause it's basically a movie about (laughs) I don't know it's sort of like a very of it's time movie I guess I was listening to somebody talking about um, the way that cinema sort of reflects the uh, the presidency in a way like the way that cinema like reflects the political landscape of the time so when we had like Nixon in office everything was real paranoid and And then when we had Ronald Reagan, everything was, like, really patriotic and chest-thumping, and you had the sort of birth of those action movies, and now, like, everything seems to be sort of, like, existential despair, Mm -hmm. and I think this is maybe the best example of that sort of filmmaking so far. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I do also think the visuals are really great, Um, and I really like Ryan Gosling's performance as Kay. Um, I think he does a a good job, and I think some of the surrounding characters do really good jobs as well. Um I don't like Harrison Ford's performance that much, but I think a lot of the other characters do really good jobs. Uh, and I think some it does it manages some really cool visual tricks that I wasn't expecting and hadn't really seen before that were like simple but very effective. so yeah. I I really enjoyed it. I thought
1: he was better in this than he was in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he likes Blade Runner more than Star Wars.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he definitely uh, talked, uh, I mean, in the past, like, uh, when they were talking about different uh, movie franchises coming back, I mean, this was, like, over a decade ago at this point, but uh, it was before even Crystal Skull came out. He was like, yeah, the three people, like Han Solo would be the one I don't care about playing very much anymore. I feel like there's not a lot to that character that I could really dig into, but he said that he'd be fine with playing Indiana Jones and seemed uh, excited about the idea of possibly playing Deckard again. So yeah, I agree. He was better in this than Ender's Game or Force Awakens by a long shot, both of which seems like he just doesn't like acting anymore. And I was like, why are you doing this? (laughs) I mean, the Star Wars one's more obvious, but Ender's Game seemed like a weird movie to agree to do if you're just going to phone it in. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, uh, I had kind of the opposite feeling that Ruben did, where when I walked out of the movie, I was kind of like, I don't think I like that movie very much. And then, uh, since talking about it a lot and, uh, reading more and thinking about it for the last week and a half or however long it's been. Um, I I think I'm more on the positive side. I think I'm leaning towards a, a, a mild uh, thumbs up. Um, I have a lot of interesting well, Haley is the main reason for that though. She had like a pretty <laughs> cool take on the movie that uh, was different than my read on it and I like that a lot, so I'll probably just be quoting her for most of the (laughs) podcast because she had more interesting things to say, but isn't actually here.
1: Well, um, the thing that I liked about it, I guess thematically, obviously, like I said, I like the cinematography, is um, I like the idea that the movie is kind of like, at least the central plot is at least a little bit about like, Uh, the guy who seems like the protagonist learning that he's not that special and I guess becoming sort of a male ally in a sense that like this is a rebellion that you would hope is um, more focused on women and people of color and like the fact that he's neither of that and he's convinced that he's this important person and then has to sort of like be sad when he finds out that he's not the important person that he thought he was and step to the side and then just become like a soldier in the fight is like a cool idea um I just don't know if the movie delivers on that premise as much as it should especially in the sense of like making the rebellion seem more diverse Mm-hmm. um
2: yeah the uh I mean, they they really hedged their bets on that. It seems like they're setting the rebellion up for potential sequels because we only really get, Mm -hmm. like, one scene of the so-called rebels, and they're just a bunch of people standing in a warehouse being like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're going to bring this fight to them sometime. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh yeah, I mean, my uh, probably my biggest problem with the movie overall is that a lot of the dialogue feels pretty clunky to me. Like I thought that there are a lot of pretty cheesy lines. That that one um, that one scene had the one that uh, M.K. Rhodes on Letterbox also pointed out in her review, where the leader of the rebellion's like, "A storm is coming," and she's like, "What is this? <laughs> <laughs> like a Divergent sequel?" <laughs> And considering uh, <laughs> Denny Villeneuve's done uh, pretty interesting work with scripts in the past like <coughs> to have one with so many like pretty openly clunky lines was uh, a disappointment to me but you know. Uh, yeah Um, I mean I feel like the the movie that people see, I mean the character that seems most divisive to people is, uh, Anna de character. (laughs) People seem to, like, uh, Void Ember on Letterboxd, and a few other people seem to really hate her character, and other people don't. And I'm wondering where y'all land on that one?
0: Um, I... Patrick? Well, yeah, I, I, uh... It's weird to think of her character in the in sort of a context of like a post her world because like i feel like i've seen this explored more in depth in the way where it's like is it possible to fall in love with someone who doesn't actually exist and is just like a construct and i don't i don't know i definitely feel like her does a better job of it but i do think it's interesting here that you spend most of the like it's again it's a it's part of him sort of figuring out that he's not special you spend most of the movie thinking oh she you know like she actually loves him like she's you know this construct that's designed you know just to love him but then like you find out that's all of them are designed Mm -hmm. like that like she's just a product who is like that and i don't know it feels like this there is sort of like, I guess, like a weird, sad realization that you, there, I don't know, when you find out in life that there's not just like one person who's meant for you, that the, the, like, you falling in love with somebody is kind of like arbitrary in a way. It just happens to be like the circumstances surrounding you meeting someone else who happens to be compatible with you. It's like, there's not just one person that's compatible, there's a lot of different people that are compatible with you. It just happened to be that that person was in similar circumstances that allowed you two to connect in some way you know and so i don't know that felt i don't want to say realistic but it felt honest to me (laughs) sad and honest Sure.
1: yeah so um i mean i definitely am of the camp that she is commentary and like the people who i don't know hate well, first of all, the people who hate the women characters for being, like, kind of thin in this is strange to me just because I feel like the male characters are equally as undeveloped. Right. Like, I don't feel like that's a problem limited from one character to another. And the fact that the first time she appears in in his, in, like, 50s housewife garb and, like, making, like, a fake dinner for him in his apartment to me seems pretty clear that the filmmakers are at least aware of the idea that of, of, like gender roles Mm -hmm. and like filling certain ideas and like what actually uh you know what is love as compared to like what is people playing at love um i like patrick i feel like this is territory that's already been covered and covered better and slightly more complicated by the fact that we know from the beginning that Gosling's uh, <coughs> Officer K is also not real. So like, in a way, so like, they're both, you know, like, I don't know who where the commentary is going when they're both fake things in a way that are pleasing that are pleasing the other they're both, you know, playing roles. So like, to me, that's like one of the things that's kind of confusing about. Their relationship or what their relationship is supposed to mean because um like i'm not like w- other than the fact that he's the protagonist and he's in the film the most like why am i invested in k mm-hmm. either as a character right i don't know
2: yeah i think um i mean here's gonna be one of the parts where i'm just sort of quoting Haley, but for her that aspect of it was actually the most interesting, where it's like, he is an abstraction of humanity, and then for him to fall in love, he has to have an even further abstraction of humanity, where he's not just in love with another replicant, but he's in love with like, something that doesn't even have a physical being, it's like a hologram that follows him around, like, uh, presumably he could like, you know, I don't know, actually, but, like you know there are like sex bot replicants and he's like not interested in them he's interested in like something that has like even less uh physical existence than yeah, he
0: does uh, yeah and mackenzie davis's character even says at one point oh you don't like real girls <laughs> yep. and she she hears the little like tone of his uh
2: <laughs> and, his um, little
0: beeper thing
2: but yeah, I agree with Ruben that like, especially the way that scene is set up is like so clever. Where he's like talking and you hear her voice, and you don't realize for sure that she's not just in the other room until she actually like appears as the hologram. And I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. That's pretty cool. And I also think her name is very intentional because, uh, yeah, joy is joy a, and love. Yeah, <laughs> but also that it's spelled J O I, which is a very common porn acronym for jerk off instruction which i feel like is <laughs> exactly what she know. is
1: <laughs> i don't i don't know that term yeah. But <laughs> 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 um yeah some people really really did not like the sex scene in this and me it's my favorite scene in the movie one of my favorite scenes in the year i thought it was very sad yeah How patrick felt in general about the movie Mm -hmm. I was just like oh no one's coming out of this unscathed
2: (laughs) yeah the way it keeps like shifting her face back and forth I was like oh this is pretty cool looking and upsetting and then like I don't know you know like people have said that it's like like a hot threesome for nerds but it's so like Mm de-eroticized there's like no nudity in it and just like like it just doesn't like when they're disrobing it's just like so like plain feeling
1: (laughs) and i think the fact that like the way that their faces blend together makes a face that kind of looks like both of them makes me feel kind of sad about like the state of like hollywood casting right because like you feel like if you were to take another i don't know popular male actor and do the same thing with like ryan reynolds and ryan gosling or something Mm -hmm. that their faces would look so different that that transitionary face wouldn't look like either of them right um because you know men get to look different whereas like women even like a cuban woman who's like you know from a different place and culture or whatever she still has to like push towards like a very white archetype mm-hmm.
2: no. uh, I. Uh, <laughs> uh. Yeah, Haley's favorite character is actually Love, which was I thought was a fun, fun. <laughs> yeah, take.
0: I, I I like her character as well, and I was actually like, I don't know, I had, I felt like the movie has a lot of empathy for her as a character because, it, it, you, there, I can't see how you could view that character as just like, just a black hat basically, just evil all the time. But the fact that you get these little moments where you see her, like, actually crying about the Replicant being born and then murdered immediately by Jared Leto's character. And um, I think there's also a small moment in the scene where they bring uh, the the sort of, like, clone of Rachel out or whatever, where you, where you see something from her, although that, that may be more toward a malevolent side because I know she's the one who ultimately puts a bullet in that Replicant's head. But mm. I just... I felt especially during that like last fight scene between uh, Ryan Gosling and her that I was just like really sad for, for for her and for just for both of them really like for everybody I was just like this is just sad everybody's just really sad right now and I don't feel I don't feel like some sort of like righteous anger toward her or anything like that I just felt really sad for her and um, yeah that I don't know if that's just like the pervading feeling of the rest of the film or if I was picking up on some of those smaller moments, but yeah, there's definitely like some sort of interesting framework behind that character.
1: Mm -hmm. She has to work for Jared Leto, a fate I would wish on (laughs) no one.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for real.
1: Um, Yeah, again, like people uh, complaining about like the thinness of her character. I, A, don't totally buy that, and B, in comparison to Jared Leto's character, who just spits out a bunch of faux intellectual garbage the entire time he's on screen, like, is he better than her? I don't think so. She seems to have like a, I mean, people are saying like, there's a difference between good writing and good performance, and I'm like, okay, that may be true. Maybe the writing for Leto's character was better and his performance was worse and the writing for her character was worse and her performance was better but what I'm left with is what is actually on the screen and what is actually on the screen the I feel like the women characters are more interesting than the male characters Mm -hmm. though I'm not really super invested in any of them
2: right yeah I think that uh, uh, what Patrick said the ending the way that Villeneuve holds on her it doesn't feel like a Thing to be excited about, like, oh, yeah, he's finally yeah. drowning her. I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. It's definitely
1: more along the lines of some th- things that we've talked about on other podcasts from this month, which is like, yeah, maybe a revolution is necessary when things are really, really bad. But you, the most righteous revolution still involves killing people that, like, and you need to feel bad about that, even if they were standing in the way of, like, real good progress. Right.
2: Yeah,
1: And I feel like that's the minimum you can take away from that final scene.
0: For yeah, sure. and I also think that they give the impression that she wields a lot more power than Jared Leto just in general, because any time you see anything getting done, it's her doing it, basically. Like, any time they need to find out some information, she's going and shaking somebody down, you know, she's going to the uh, the police chief or whatever, and like, you know, killing her, getting the information from her. Um, when they need uh, Ryan Gosling to to sort of find the child, as they say, uh, when he crashes in the like junkyard zone, she's the one who's manning the like drone strikes to kill all of the people who try. <laughs> that was and, like, really
2: upsetting too. <laughs> I I was
0: like, oh my, God. that that scene right there. I was like, this is uh, like crazy, weird. You know, like commentary on the way that you know, uh, warfare has evolved, you know, where she's just like sitting there having her nails done and just being like just like drone striking people at the same time with the little eyepiece on and I was like, fuck this, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I I do think it's very intentional that she is the one who is actually like wielding all of the actual power and getting things done, whereas Jared Leto just you know, I guess sits in a room being blind and looking <laughs> spouting nonsense all day.
2: Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the the interesting sort of weird, I mean, you know, uh, I think the the Rachel scene actually, like, that's uh, maybe the first, like, uh, like, Uncanny Valley CGI thing that sort of works for me that I've seen, like the fact that she looks, yeah. like, really weird and, like, not, like, a real person, like, adds to the kind of uh Yeah, because it's quality. supposed to
1: be Uncanny Valley. Yeah. yeah and, uh,
2: to, and to, Like, a little
1: bit.
0: Well, yeah, and to everyone who disliked the, the thing that Rogue One did where it brought back dead actors, like, here you go. Like, this movie is actually, like, commenting on it this time around where it's like, hey, we're bringing back this dead actor. Isn't this weird and uncomfortable seeing this, you know...
1: Except or she's just, still alive. Well, oh yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she's, she's not, not dead. dead. She's just, she just not young. Right, right. Yeah.
0: She she
2: doesn't look the same.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that yeah that that to me felt really deliberate and, and mm-hmm. sad also.
2: And the strangeness of like, I mean, like, Rachel was a replicant, but so like, that is also Rachel if you buy the <laughs> fact that replicants are just, you know, very smart computers that don't have like a real, uh, humanity. And so like, you could see Wallace being like, here's the thing you want. It's exactly like you remember it. And then Harrison Ford being like, no, that's, That's not my replicant, which is, like, a. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, the only Yeah, his commentary
1: is very superficial, too. Mm -hmm. He's, like, doesn't have the same color eyes. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Like,
0: the the color eyes and the serial number is different, probably, and
2: that's Mm -hmm. good. And, but I don't even, like, was he, is that true? Are her eyes green? I don't know. Yeah, like, I wasn't even sure if that was, like, an actual thing or if he was just (coughs) saying that as, like, a defiance of her. I'd have to look it up but
1: uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Doesn't look like it.
2: Yeah I didn't think so. And the so. pictures
1: from Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. So
2: yeah that's uh, that was my memory of it too so I thought that he was just you know. Because they wouldn't know really it's like a way to Just be like, fuck you, I'm not taking that and without having to explain, but, um, yeah, I, uh, it's interesting that it doesn't, it it still doesn't answer the question of whether or not Deckard is a replicant, which is funny. Now both movies are canon. theatrical and the final cut (laughs) yeah
0: i i was i did think that was interesting too because it i was like now which canon are they following here? like are they following the theatrical release where they have the ending where dougard's like she's gonna last she's special or are they following the director's cut where he doesn't say any of that at the end of the movie so uh, I think Edward James almost is the, actually the one who gets the last word in that movie where he says it's too bad she won't last. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's again, headphones... And who light, does so I can hear myself now
2: Nope, that was happening uh like at the beginning of a podcast somewhat uh recently, and it didn't show up on the audio. I think it was just like something Google Hangouts was messing up somehow.
1: But, um, uh, yeah, uh, this isn't really related, but since I didn't talk about Blade Runner at the beginning, like I oh, originally yeah. planned, I just want to mention how bad Harrison Ford's acting is in that movie. <laughs> um, like, he makes these crazy faces, like, every time that he gets in any fight or something, where he's like, <laughs> 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 like, Every time he gets hit, like, he does these incredible face pulls, like, uh, it's something that, uh, it reminded me of, like, Bad Dancers, like, when Bad Dancers want to really exaggerate the dancing move that they just did, they do, like, this really big face pull when they finish it to, like, make it look like, whoa, look at this thing I just did. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, every time he gets, like, punched and stuff like that, he's always, like, (laughs) Oh, but you like the movie overall? Yeah. (laughs) That's uh, it's good. Yeah, the, uh, since you're the <laughs> only one on the podcast who hadn't seen it before. It's... Um, yeah, it, it's funny. Um, it made perfect sense that Villeneuve would want to make a new Blade Runner movie because uh, it <laughs> reminded me very much of his movies, and I thought it was like very tactile and textual, and, like, I could really feel like this world existed, but also, like, kind of thematically dubious. Right. And, like, I also, I didn't care that much about <coughs> what I was saying right. It points. <laughs> I was just like, wow, I'm really invested in this world. And, like, there's a part where um, Deckard is just, like, zooming in on, like, a photograph in, like, a computer. And I was like, man, I wish technology hadn't advanced, like, especially in this movie, because everything's, like, a little bit, you know, more our normal future technology. I was like, I wish they had just used like old style ideas of like computers and sets for this movie. Right. Cause like this, there's, there's something about him like zooming in on that picture and someone else on Twitter mentioned it as well. So it's not just me. I was just like enthralled mm-hmm. with him like clicking on this computer and <laughs> it's like zooming in. Um, yeah. I really I was, like, like the sound design in that, The like zooming yeah. sound of like, yeah, yeah. Enhance. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I swear that's where that yeah. came from too. That's where yeah, other- he does.
1: He's not saying enhance. He's telling it where to go. He's like to the left and center it, and he's like, yeah. okay, zoom in, <laughs> and he's like, you now to the right and center, up, yeah. But sure. um, it's I don't know. Uh But like, I also, I've never been invested in the theme of like, where does humanity begin or end, like, Mm -hmm. it's just a theme that just does not capture my attention, maybe because I have like a very wide ranging idea of like my empathy, Mm -hmm. like, because I'm empathetic towards like, sort of all things that have any level of consciousness, like, um, to me, a much more interesting story that is sort of like on the sidelines in both of these movies is like, okay, who cares whether or not they're humans, like what level of respect are they afforded? And like, mm-hmm. why, why do humans have this tendency to like create underclasses so much mm-hmm. and then just exploit them? <clears throat> like, what is it about humanity that they really just like desperately want to create like this lower caste that they can just take advantage of. Um, And so to me, that's like, you know, the fact that like there's been 30 years of questioning about whether or not Deckard is a replicant or a human is like not nearly as interesting to me as uh, the line in the film when Sean Young asks him, have you ever retired a human by mistake? Mm -hmm. Um, And like the way that he brushes that, off like really quickly like the idea that that's a line that needs to be drawn or that like but you know the assumption that what he's doing is okay to begin with right to just you know killing replicants with no sort of like judicial process is all to me the most interesting stuff and the stuff it doesn't seem like the filmmakers are as interested in right which i think goes to show with you know a complaint that I think carries over both films which is the racial dynamics of them it's mm-hmm. like I have some I disagree with people who feel like there's a market difference between the women and men in this movie but in both cases I feel like they take the uh, mm, voice the complaints the sort of you know ideas of marginalized people, and then just implant them on white people. Right. And uh, uh, the first Blade Runner is way worse about it in that it's uh, a lot like um, Firefly, where it's just like thinks that Asian, you know, trappings are cool and exotic, and let's just you know place them around to make this place look cool, but not have any like Asian characters who are actually important. Right. Are meaningful.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they were, you know... It's interesting that, like, in 1982, they uh, were able to predict, though, that, like, China would become, like, a really major world power. I mean, they overstated a little bit, I guess, the, that China doesn't actually own the West Coast yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was uh, that part is interesting, but, yeah, it doesn't really... Like other than the guy who makes eyes, there aren't any
1: significant oh, yeah. Asian characters. Yeah. Yeah. And he just gets pushed around yeah, for like one scene and then and that's it?
2: Yep. Uh what was I gonna say? Oh yeah uh, Yeah, I think um well, I mean Yeah, I thought it was interesting, like I don't know. uh, I think it was Boyd Ember's letterboxd where she talked about being sad that like you know all that time had passed and you know there weren't any people of color or women like things weren't better for them and I was like I don't know that seems like that would be disingenuous since the movie's about like like extreme capitalism and just like the decay of everything. Like like if things aren't really getting better now, why would thirty years more of really bad capitalism like make anything better for marginalized people? Seems uh like sorta of self evident that things would be worse like they are in this movie. <laughs>
1: but uh yeah. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. I like, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can give people, like, characters who are in terrible situations so that. Sure. They're not, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, of course. I, don't know. It was inter- uh, I was sad Wood Harris didn't come back. He's just in that one scene. And I was like, oh, it's weird to cast this guy. And then he's only in one scene. Is that scene. the guy from The Wire? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Avon Barksdale. Mm-hmm. But maybe he had more scenes that they ended up cutting out because I was like, it's weird that he has a
1: yeah, recognizable I, face. I did
0: note him when I, when he showed up, and I was like, oh, what Harris is in this, and then like, I did. You should have made him, him
1: the hero. Completely yep.
0: forgot that he was in it after
2: that. Yeah, because he's literally just in that one autopsy scene. Uh, but. Let's see, let's see. Yeah. I guess Dave Batista's only in one scene too.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> and Jared Leto's only in two, which I was very thankful of.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> He's—it's not his worst performance that I've seen, but he is just never good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I was—I was glad that they they used Disarms. him as someone you were supposed
0: to be kind of annoyed and yeah. by. <laughs> I was like that's that's what Jared Leto should be used for.
1: Annoying and horrifying. (laughs) This is horrible to say, but I kind of wish when he had fake gone blind for the role that he had just accidentally blinded himself. Right. That would have been really funny to me.
2: (laughs) So method. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't even make sense for... I don't know. Like, that was the same thing. I didn't understand why... Ben Affleck did it for Daredevil because I was like, Daredevil's not blind though, that's the whole point, like he's blind but like his other senses are so good, it's as if he can see so like why would yeah. why would you be wearing things, because you don't have super hearing or uh, <laughs> super anything else like spatial <laughs> awareness Like so if you're, then you're just an actual blind person in this scene <laughs> yeah but And similar with, uh, Leto, once he has those, like, uh, Geordi LaForge-esque temple things. (laughs) You can see just fine. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. Haley's on the opposite side of the spectrum in that she also doesn't care that much about the question of humanity, but she has less empathy. She's like, good, they should make more replicants. They have all those children just making weird electronic parts. Like they make more <laughs> replicants than they won't have to, then they can have that utopian, uh, technological communism. And she's being somewhat facetious, but it's funny. Robin writes the real hero. She's trying to stop. Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, Something that I brought up is, again, not related to this film specifically at all. But, like, I know people who are, like, super afraid of, like, um, what's it called? When the moment when AI happens. Oh, the singularity. Yeah, the singularity. I know people who are afraid (coughs) of that. And I'm like, you're assuming that robots will act like us. But if AI is actually better at figuring out things than us, then... Uh, robots are much more likely to treat us like horses or something they're going to find a place for us in society and make our lives better while making their lives even better like we won't have all that free will because we'll be being controlled in a way by robots but we're not gonna be like slaves they're gonna trick us because they're gonna be so much smarter and powerful to like do things that are actually correct and I'm like you know it doesn't seem like a good I- feeling from like the outside, but really, you'll be living a better life. <laughs> right. the robots take over. <laughs> gonna,
0: like, do work, get a treat. They'll <laughs> <laughs> just have zebra cakes at the end of it. The- oh, gotta put all these <laughs> things together. Give me that zebra cake.
1: <laughs> but. Um, like the idea of assimilation as opposed to annihilation is something that like people don't ever think about with like the singularity. And I'm like, if they are smarter and more rational than us and not taken in by emotions and can make the correct decisions, why would they waste a resource? Right. <laughs> Which I, is what I, we are.
2: an extremely <laughs> abundant one. <laughs> yeah. Well... Hopefully we'll all live to find out who's right. <laughs> 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 but uh, Yeah, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to feel sad when Ana de Armas' character died. Like, Kay seemed sad about it, but I didn't feel that sad, and I wasn't sure if that was just an, um, uh, an intended emotional moment not landing for me or whether or not Villeneuve was also using that in a kind of commentary way.
1: Yeah, I I would guess it's commentary just because it's set up so many times that it's going to happen, mm-hmm. that when it ends up being like not a huge moment, when it actually does happen, it feels like it has to be commentary, but I don't know if the commentary totally lands, which is probably why.
0: Yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like there's an awareness there that it's that moment doesn't land for the audience Um, Mm -hmm. because of what comes after that, where he basically finds out (laughs) that the, the joy models just basically like they do, that's what they do. They just attach to whoever buys them. And then they, you know, uh, have all these like little like faux connections to like faux, Real connections to them that make them seem like they are there just for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, that's the. I tell that, you
1: how special you are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's what all men really want to hear.
0: <laughs> that, to me, is the, the moment where I was like, now this is very sad, right? here. Like, <laughs> him finding that out, to me, I was like, this is the sad part, right here. Like,
1: just. Yeah. He, are you talking about with, like, the purple advertisement yeah, yeah. that, like, leans down and talks to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and cool. even calls him Joe and all that. Yeah. <laughs> i was like oh wow like now his now his psyche is being crushed now he's being destroyed like before it was nothing
2: yeah i found that part actually pretty funny in how sad it was <laughs> like to be staring at like a giant naked hologram and feeling somewhat despondent i found very funny <laughs> in a bleak <laughs> way <laughs>
0: yeah i mean yeah in that, in that like really like existentially soul destroying way. you're you're just like well Nothing matters anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would go that far. I would say I don't matter. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that's something you should realize in that moment. It's like I'm not that important. <laughs> nope.
2: He's not a real boy after all. <laughs> huh. But that was a good misdirect. I thought that that was cool.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, and the scene when he oh uh, like. him getting angry about it is interesting too like I think that's like a cool choice as opposed to like feeling some kind of like catharsis or because I feel like it's like only over the course of the rest of the movie that he's like starting to accept oh okay like I am pretty important and then that gets Mm -hmm. taken away but like he doesn't want it at first
1: understandably yeah it's um smart commentary on the like harry potter problem i guess you might call it right (laughs) which is that like in that separate (coughs) like when you're reading a book you're reading harry potter and you're like man i wish this was my life i wish i was this important i wish i was this special i wish that this many people cared about me because i feel empty in my real life right right but then you're actually experiencing it and it's like kind of horrible and this is like almost like a double juke where it's like he's experiencing it, it's horrible and then also he doesn't even really get <laughs> the end game of actually being special yeah <laughs> it's like no it's just horrible and you're not special <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, uh, yep. more aligned with my life experience <laughs> for sure
2: you <laughs> thought it was great would be great to be special, but you're not special, and it's <coughs> not great either way. You're not special. <laughs> like I. <want> oh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, I like the uh, sort of weird. Well, uh. Harrison Ford just getting saved by replicants all the time. <laughs> Good mirroring from the first movie and the second one. Although, you know, Kay is not trying to kill him, but, uh, both movies end with him almost dying and then being rescued.
1: Um, yeah, I, that would be one of my sort of small complaints about the movie is that like, I often don't understand where characters motivations exactly come from mm-hmm. so like i'm like oh i sort of understand why harrison ford when Kay shows up just starts shooting but then i don't super understand why he stops mm-hmm. if if i'm buying his initial like character motivation and there are lots of moments like that where i'm like what like i don't understand robert ryan penn's character or is she just robin Wright at this point right? yeah robin, robin right yeah. yeah no more penn um I don't understand her motivation from the beginning of the film throughout, especially the weird scene where she kind of hits on Kay. I mean I guess I understand because Ryan Gosling is hot, but um I don't know.
2: Yeah, uh I mean I think that the like I get her motivation earlier on in the movie in the sense that like if she believes that uh for real that like replicants are like a serious danger like if they gain enough like uh, cognizance of themselves as like being important that like they could like stage a really huge and disastrous rebellion and that like something like this could be the fire starter which is why she covers it up but i don't fully understand her change of heart later when k like fails his test and then she just Let's them go anyway. Except that she likes him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but
0: yeah, yeah. That that doesn't make any. That not make a lot of sense now that I think about it. But I think I don't know. I I felt like. That character gets sidelined pretty pretty thoroughly in the film, and so I just mm-hmm. never really like. I I kind of thought of her as like this, almost this like arbitrary, just like plot dispenser,
1: where mm-hmm. she's just like
0: go to this place, yeah. do this thing, do. This. And I was just like, it. She, I feel like her whole like involvement of the movie feels like just one big studio note where it's just like we need somebody to like explain where he's going and what he's doing and like all the stuff that's happening and like the the test thing like we need people to understand what that is uh, there were some things like that where i was just like oh they put these like subtitles on the screen or the little like uh captions of like what's where he is or what's happening you know mm-hmm. all that stuff it was just like oh the studio studio is like oh we need people to understand this better it's just clarification. Um, but yeah, I, I felt, uh, I don't know, the fact that, the fact that they just like kill her character off as opposed to anyone being sort of like, because I don't even feel like you're supposed to be sad about her character dying. Like, it's almost like, good, we got this plot dispenser out of the way, now we can (laughs) continue on. it's, It's like jettisoning this unnecessary thing.
2: Although that is a pretty brutal way to start uh, getting killed, just have a glass crushed in your hand. Yeah, that that made me cringe. Anything with broken glass—I've cut myself too many times on broken glass. So anytime <laughs> someone's getting cut with broken glass in a movie, I'm like, Ugh. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think basically, with what Patrick is saying that that's she's the character where i most buy the arguments about how the women characters are treated in this film mm-hmm. where i'm just like what is this person's role right. and like where is her like humanity right <laughs> um i do th- speaking of good casting and good acting at least in my opinion i think that uh Ryan Gosling's like consistent low-grade sociopathy is well placed in this role Mm -hmm. where he's you know not totally human because that's generally the vibe (coughs) that I get off of him (laughs) in every movie (laughs) and it's cool I guess that people have been for the most part leaning into that Mm -hmm. over the past couple years it's like he was romantic in The Notebook, which I didn't buy whatsoever, but like in Drive and La La Land and this, he's always like, at the very least, like an asshole. Right. If not, if not like, subhuman in some other way.
2: right <laughs> I like the... this is a change in subject, but I did like the way that, like, Super Vegas is really gross. Like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, it's everything about Vegas, but more extreme.
1: Than, like, <laughs> is that where Deckard is?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I missed that it was called Vegas. Oh, the, there's only just, like, small hints via the, um, the, like, there's, like, a picture of the MGM Grand in one of the, like, aerial shots real quick, and, like... But, like, you know, a futuristic MGM Grand, but you still see the logo. It's, like, covered in sand and stuff. But I know my Vegas, so I, I spotted it right mm-hmm. away. Yeah,
0: and all but, the, uh, the, like, Elvis and Frank Smatry references, too. It's, like, yes, yeah. Right. Like- <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, it's funny that it's, like, the, the nostalgia for it never advanced. Like, it just stayed the same. <laughs>
1: That's all my favorite stuff in the film. Like, I wish most of the film had just been like holograms and stuff because Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, whoa, I liked it like every single time. Like, the first time that Joy is like glitching when he's going to um, find the birth records in that like weird adoption facility. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's like glitching outside of his car. I thought that was good. And then the sex scene that I already mentioned. And then, of course, all the elvises and stuff mm-hmm. during the fight sequence i yeah. liked all of that yeah
0: the, yeah the part that i thought looked really cool too was the part where he is uh looking through the um what is that thing he's just looking into that thing like trying to find the the records of like where the uh replicants were born and all of that mm-hmm. and she's like moving in and out of the sides of his head like that i was like mm. this is a very like oh the, yeah. when
1: he's looking through the dna strings yeah and yeah he finds two that are exactly the same yeah
0: and she's like going from one side of his head to the other <laughs> and like floating in and out of his body and i was like how did they shoot that scene like i couldn't figure that out i was like did they just shoot it without him there and she's just acting against nothing or like I don't. I was. Like, that would be
1: my best guess. Yeah,
0: but she's doing a really good job if she's not acting against anyone. Because so I was like, this is. She looks like she's really like, you know, like studying his face and like talking to him. I don't, I was yeah. Like, how
1: do they match that eye line? Good job, that. Villeneuve.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's the same, and maybe even more intense with the sex scene because she has to be hitting the exact. One of them has to be hitting the exact same marks as the other one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Ex- except for the brief part where she intentionally breaks yeah. character to try and digital touch him at the end. Sad, yeah. but yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, and I also like the joke when he's like about to kiss her in the rain, and then he gets a phone call, and she just freezes oh. in place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my god. <laughs> <laughs> really undermining it. <laughs>
1: yeah
2: oh yeah that's the same shot in the notebook too (laughs) him and Rachel McAdams (laughs) making out in the rain
1: especially if you were um, really taken in by the previous moment where the real rain is falling through her hand and so she's like digitizing fake rain that's hitting her hand (laughs) as the real rain falls some people thought that moment was like really emotional Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that joke hurt a lot (laughs) you were totally down for that previous moment right
0: (laughs) yeah and uh, i also think this movie does sort of like a weird meta thing with ryan gosling's like previous stardom because like like you said like there's that's definitely a nod to the notebook where he's about to kiss the girl in the rain, right and then like a lot of this feels like drive also like right up to the end fight sequence where he, you know, like, smashes the car into the water, just like in Drive, and then right. he gets out to, you know, finish the job. I mean, it's it's basically the same setup there, and um, if I was more... And the
1: musical people, number definitely felt oh, like yeah, La yeah. La Land. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, where he talks about jazz. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, where he's, like, sits down with Harrison Ford, and he's like, the reason that I know replicants are good is because we understand and love jazz. Uh, The,
2: oh, um, the shot when they're like flying over the water looks really cool to talk about Deacon stuff. It's like an aerial shot and the water just looks like weird black but you can still see the waves and the
1: ships flying over it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Deacons, you're a good guy all that in stuff is like really unnervingly good looking. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this a real place where there's just like waves slowly rising up over concrete that they like shot this at or did they just create a set and then like, you know, put no lights on the walls so that it just looks like an infinite void? <laughs> right. Like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: This is an insane idea.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yep. I hope Deacons gets his Oscar finally for this one. <laughs> Has deserved it for a long time,
1: but mm-hmm. never. Of won. the Villanueva stuff, I think I prefer Sicario sure. to this, but I prefer this to Arrival. <coughs> Although <laughs> I guess that wasn't Deacon's. No, yeah, that was uh,
2: someone that you previously Bradford denounced. Joe? Yeah, yeah, uh, but but yeah, the the tactile sense is uh very cool like the dave batista thing like it's like an obvious shot to do but i still like the way it was framed a lot when dave batista comes back in and gosling's like sitting in the corner and there's just like like a chunk of the room is just like solid black like you can't even see through it and i was like oh this is creepy Yeah,
0: and I thought he did a good job too. I I didn't I couldn't tell if that was him or not because I was like, looks like Dave Batista. but he mm-hmm. doesn't act like Dave Batista at all. And I was like, no. You mean because he's
1: not making bad puns? Yeah, yep. it's and it's then not, laughing really hard at his, his own jokes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I
0: was like, wow, he's a very different character than he played in Guardians of the Galaxy.
2: Everyone's favorite. Not mine. Oh. Although I don't know, I guess if forced to pick between them, I'm not sure who I would choose. I really don't like any of them.
1: Groot. I would choose Groot.
2: Groot. (laughs) What about teen Groot?
1: I mean, I definitely prefer adult Groot to baby Groot. Yeah. But I think I still prefer Groot to any of the rest of them. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. I'd
1: probably go Groot, Star-Lord, and then in a shocking turn of events, um. What's her name? Zoe Saldana. Would now Gamora. Yeah, Gamora would now be my third because, in probably the biggest jump from like a first movie to a second movie. Like she is much much better in two mm. than she was in one. Like to the point of like almost being a good performance. <laughs> right. <laughs> from like <laughs> one of the worst performances of the year to being like okay. Yep. <laughs> I thought that.
2: Uh, kind what's of shocking. His name? Uh, Chris Pratt was actually like a step down
1: from the. F- I agree. From the first one,
2: the a lot and of the emotional uh, moments didn't land for me at all in that movie.
1: Yeah, him and in not that I was in love with either of them in the first one. Anyway, I thought both him and Bradley Cooper were worse mm-hmm. in the second one.
2: Karen Gillan though reliably bad in both. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: can always count on Karen Gillan.
0: I, I actually worked with her. Uh, I, I did, uh, I did, uh, was uh, she bad? Uh, well, I mean, it was hard to tell. I was uh, all we were doing was like a pickup for this like special effects shot for a movie that she directed and was starring. So it was just like one day of oh. me like putting a microphone in front of her and her standing in front of a green screen like looking at something that I didn't know what it was because I, I hadn't <laughs> seen the rest of what they shot there, but
1: yeah. That hardly ever works out. (laughs) Someone directing themselves. Yeah. Can you think of anything off the top of your head where... I guess Spike Lee and some of his stuff.
2: Mm -hmm. Orson Welles is good. Oh, yeah.
1: Orson Welles. That's probably the... Orson Welles in Touch of Evil is probably the best director (laughs) directing himself Mm -hmm. of all time.
2: It's pretty funny, though. Like... uh, (laughs) He, if you look him up on IMDB, he has a lot more credits than he actually has, because at a certain point in his acting, he, re, he insisted on directing any of his own scenes, even if he was only in like three or four scenes in a movie. <laughs> Does that mean he helped direct
1: Transformers the movie? I think
2: not that one, only because <laughs> it was just voiceover work, but there's like a bunch of weird ones where he's only in like three or four scenes and it's it always says on IMDb Orson Welles uncredited <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's not a bad credit to have on your movie yep. hey got Orson Welles
2: directed
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah right
0: what <laughs> is yeah. name on the box
1: more unrelated stuff except for speaking in a more science sci-fi sci-fi movie Patrick and I saw this together and he covered his eyes for the Star Wars <coughs> trailer and I covered my eyes for the Annihilation trailer.
2: Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't even been to a movie where they showed the Annihilation one yet. Yeah,
0: I had already seen the Annihilation trailer so I didn't know what, I didn't know, or I, I didn't know who it was the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, it's this the yeah. Alex, Alex Garland. Cool.
2: Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. Too bad it doesn't come out till next year. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of stuff coming out this year that I'm still pumped for. I have to see like a zillion movies in the next week and a half to make sure none of them leave the theater before they're gone. Yeah, yeah, it's. it's
1: I hope I get a chance to see Twenty Four Frames, but I doubt that that'll come out anywhere this year. Maybe yeah, I'm.
2: I'm guessing that one's going to come to Piff next year. Um. And can't wait to see a bunch of people walk out. Excited. <laughs>
1: Huh? every time someone walks out you should yell out he's dead <laughs> show some respect <laughs> how, d- how dare you
2: <laughs> but uh but yeah I, I was assuming Faces Places wouldn't come out until next year and I'm excited it's playing here already but I, I gotta see it quick cause I can't imagine it'll last long <laughs> yeah A bunch of
1: the movies for that Doctober that I told you about are only playing for like four days, like not even a full week. Mm -hmm. It's like Friday through Monday. That's what's happening with Ex Libris, so if I do want to see that, and I still don't know if I do, I have to go tomorrow.
2: Thanks. Busy, busy. Mm -hmm. It's good. I liked it. Uh. How much? Do
1: you like it more than In Jackson Heights?
2: (laughs) Maybe. Huh? Oh yeah.
0: shit, I thought of another good uh example of someone directing themselves. Uh Denzel and Fences.
2: Oh yeah, I never saw that one. It's good. Like Yeah. I remember, uh like I had a lot of a lot of chances to see it as playing in my theater and stuff, but I huh? I got scared off by the runtime every time. it was like two and a <laughs> half hours. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to see that many fences.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was um considering seeing it but it was one of those ones where it's like, well, if it's really good or really bad, I know Patrick saw it, he'll mention it mm-hmm. and then I'll see it later <laughs> if it's really good.
2: <laughs> yeah. It will be on the list. <laughs> There's something else as meaning to say about Blade Runner and now I'm having trouble remembering it. That's what I get for not taking notes. But... <laughs>
1: huh? I like the acting okay overall. Mm-hmm. In the movie, I continue to like Anna D'Armas fairly well. Like I already mentioned, I liked Gosling. Yeah. I did not really like Leto, but that's to be expected. I thought Harrison Ford was fine.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, how did... Mm- how did you feel about Rutger Hauer, speaking of acting in the other one, since you talked about Ford?
1: He's fine, I, I don't know. I don't really understand uh, why people love him, but I think he's perfectly adequate.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think that that was actually the most recent time I watched the movie, I was like distracted by him. At the very end, when he like turns into weird full-on villain mode, he's like, mm-hmm. like looking through things and whispering, like "I'm to <laughs> you," and then like howling and stuff. I was like, this is too much. Like, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Although, who knows? Maybe if I knew I was about to die in like a couple hours, I would just <laughs> have fun with it as well. <laughs> just act
1: like a weirdo. I kept thinking it would be funny if it was uh, Schwarzenegger who played that role.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I want more life, fucker. (laughs) I like Daryl Hannah in that movie, though. I find her appropriately creepy. (laughs)
1: Can do those somersaults and shit.
2: Yeah, <laughs> forward flip—that's hard to do.
1: Love to see gymnastics. Mm-hmm. That was a good addition to Buffy's fighting style at a certain point. Buffy yeah. just started doing gymnastics. So I was into it.
2: That's true. <laughs> Her stunt double was like, "Hey, I've been practicing some <laughs> new moves in the off season." Uh, well, I guess I can't remember what I was going to say, so, you know, tears in the rain, blah, blah, blah.
1: Was <laughs> that something that Haley said about the movie?
2: Yeah, I think so, but I can't remember right now. <laughs> if only she was here. To add, mm-hmm. She's out shopping for clothes for her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> clothes. Yep.
1: The future people won't even need clothes.
2: That's true. That's a good gosling jacket, though. I like that jacket. Yeah. yeah, that is a cool jacket. The
0: face, the hat, the face covering, whatever.
1: Mm
0: hmm.
1: Cool. I liked um. What's Her Face from Always Shines, yeah, McKin- Russian hat, too.
0: Mackenzie Davis.
1: Yeah. Our second Mackenzie Davis film of the year. Nice. She's the star of Loose Cannons 2017. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm wrapping this up?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you are enjoying the podcast. If so, please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five-star rating review (coughs) on iTunes. Um, You can also find all of our content on loosecannons.net. Uh, all of our other podcasts, as well as writings and videos. Um, Yeah, and then you can check out our message board uh, to talk about anything that we talk about on the podcast. You'll find a link on the website, in any recent podcast will connect you to that Mm -hmm. post of that movie. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at loosecannispodcast at gmail.com. As long as they're not really cruel, we will answer them. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Next week. Oh, Next week is another communism film. We're doing something in the air directed by Olivier Assayas.
2: Our second Assayas of the year.
1: Yep. It'll be an Assayas Davis 2017. Should make a movie together. <laughs> hmm. All right, bye. Bye. I think we nailed it.